strap in. It's time for the half palmy. My name's Josh Liston, Oliver Hunter. How you going, Ollie? Oh, mate, we're here. We're doing it. The mics are on. Um, that's been half the battle, to be honest. Uh, yep. But the mics are on, the computers are on, and uh, we're recording. Uh, They're hotter than a piece of chicken smothered in cheese, ham, and some tomato sauce right now. Yeah, throw some chips in there as well. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a, something about a stat around there that um, with podcast in the podcast world that – 98% of them don't even get to this point. So we're, what, 17 seconds in. <laughs> yeah, 17 seconds in and the record button actually gets hit. Yeah. So and the audience stopped after 10 seconds. Yeah, we're already here. Um, whatever happens from here, we are in the top 2% or something. So <laughs> Correct. So it's episode one of the Half Palmy, and I thought a good place to start today might be why is the show called the Half Palmy? because people most likely have seen the artwork by this point as well, which we were both super stoked about. So this idea kind of came about because you and I were going to see Nate Bogazzi, who is a shared comedic interest and hero, I guess, or at least of mine, yeah, and one, yeah. Of, my, one of my favourites, and I think Ollie's probably the same. And we were sitting in a pub in Melbourne, and I've eaten a lot of palmies in my time. Like I just did a gig a few days ago at a pub where there's 104 palmies on the menu, so I'm not averse to a palmy. But yeah. Ollie ordered something I'd never heard about before, the half palmy. And that name just yeah. kind of leaped into my brain as if we ever do a podcast, it's <laughs> got to be called the half palmy. <laughs> I'll be honest, that the half palmy could can be ordered at the, um, the Imperial Hotel on, on Burke Street. Happy to give it a shout out because it is a – it's a scrumptious palmy. It's it's up there with a, one of the top palmies I've had in my time. And and I'll be honest that they know they they know who they are and they know the, the size of the full palmy. And sometimes you just don't want a full palmy because <laughs> you know sometimes you don't want to put yourself in a hole for seven hours. And then <laughs> and so they they knew what they're doing. And and I and I saw the half palmy there and I went, you know what? I'm about I want to enjoy the show. Uh, I want to have a good time. I want my I want my body to have a good time as well as my mind and and spirit. Mm. So I ordered the half palm, and I have no shame in that. Some people might think I oh, will be a man just eat the full one. Yeah, but no, it was a moment in time, and I appreciate what it did for me. <laughs> I love too that being a central CBD Melbourne pub, the price was as though it was a full palmy anyway. So they were giving yeah. you less palmy but charging the same. Yes, and. The other thing is anyone who, who questions that would know that you don't roll in to a comedy show after eating half a block of cheese. Yeah. No, no. Like you've got to minimise yeah. cheese. Excess dairy and comedy shows, performing or watching, not a good combo. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've reached a point in my life, Ollie, I'm the better part, or actually over 10 years older than Ollie, I'm pretty sure I am, that yeah. red meat I grew up on a farm too, guys. If you're the first, if this is the first time you've ever heard me speak, I grew up on a farm. We had cows and sheep. I ate red meat every day of my life until I was like 18. I've developed a sensitivity to red meat where if I have anything important to do an hour or so later than eating that red meat, I can't commit to the meat. Really? Wow. Is that is that like a, so is that a, a you reckon that's a, a deep sort of anxiety thing? Like, what are we working with there? Like, what is the trigger in you that, that says? Well, it is now that you've actually incepted that into my brain. I, I thought maybe I was just getting old. 
<laughs> maybe so, maybe it's attached to some childhood trauma that you you weren't aware of until right now. Yeah, and this whole podcast has taken a different shape. So uh, I was force fed my parents' worldview and also a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, basically what we're saying is Josh Josh doesn't mind a bit of Paul and Anson and loves a steak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's really taken a turn. So the half palmy. That's the story of the half palmy guys. We had a moment. It kind of sat in my brain as that's what the show has to be called. We went to see Nate Bogazzi. The fact that I could think after having my mind blown by that show was surprising, but yep. we got back out to the street, kind of looked at each other all, and we're like, yeah, I think we've got to do a podcast. I don't know why that yeah, was the to- connection. <laughs> yeah, we have to do something. We have to do something because, yeah, I think what that what that man can do on a stage is uh, – is the sort of thing that, as comedians, as as uh, you know, budding comedians, both of us, it's the sort of thing you just put aside as that whole other stratosphere of the mm. art. Yes. That uh, whether we, you know, don't want to get too too sort of d- negative, but I don't know if either of us will reach that that height. <laughs> but we love a man that can do it well uh, to that level. I know. I walked out of there dejected because I didn't, other than Bill Burr, realize that height even existed. Until that night, yeah. so I think yeah. you, I think you were more excited. I walked out dejected, and this podcast is the net result. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one of us is pumped right up, and the other is just hanging by a thread. Yeah, basically. correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once again, my childhood trauma. So <laughs> yeah, we are going to have some regular segments, guys. I'm not sure how far through that we're going to get today, being the first episode. This kind of just feeling things out. But there was one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Ollie, and that's. I've been seeing you doing a little run of shows, so I was thinking maybe we could just have a quick catch-up, what you've been doing and where you're going, whether it's comedy or otherwise. Yeah, I've done a couple of shows recently. Uh, the first one uh, I've done a few times is a regular in uh, in Brunswick. Uh, it's called Funny Near the Brunny. So the I think there's a bit of a story with this gig. It's called Funny Near the Brunny because it used to be at the Brunswick Hotel, so Funny at the Brunny. But then um, I think uh, just before COVID, so maybe five years ago, someone decided to burst a water main and proceeded to flood the Brunswick Hotel. Um, I still don't know if the pub has reopened, but the gig run by Glenn Zen, a wonderful man, runs this gig at the at a bar called the Bergie Seltzer, which is like up the road from the, the Brunswick Hotel, so hence finding near the Brunny. And... I so last Monday when since when we're recording this, it was on and it was in the they have a Bergie band room, so it was in the band room now and they're they're going to move that there I, I think permanently because it's quite quite a following this gig. It's been up ten years and and this little this little bar packs out, so he now has it in his band room and um yeah killer killer little gig on a Monday night in Brunswick and. If you're lucky, usually if you're lucky and you're on, um, Michael Reynolds, who's a professional photographer, he goes as a punter and takes takes his camera and takes these like killer pro shots of people. And I think it's great because he, he doesn't expect any money or even really any shout out on social media. So it's awesome for like comedians who may not have the money or the resources to pay for professional shots. Mm. So he's a really cool guy as well that pops in and. And does that. So I, I love doing the gig because I know I'm going to have three or four photos that uh, <laughs> it's going to be professional quality. So shout out, Michael. Well, the name of that show stands out to me every time I see it. And now you mention it, 
it probably is the quality of those photos that makes me stop and look at all their stuff. But yep. let's just caveat, was it Michael? Don't Michael, don't don't yep. walk up to Michael and just tell him that give me free photos because the half palmy said so. That's our little caveat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't go drop an Ollie in that. <laughs> so you've done some other shows this week though. Not just that one. Yeah, I did. And then on the, the Wednesday then there, so a couple of days later, did I um opened a, a friend show for um fellow Jeremy Moses, who's the guy is the guy's name. And a really nice guy. It was a really fun show. And he asked me a few weeks back to open for him. Um, so I just did 10 minutes off the top. And yeah, it was at a fun little venue, um, Cameo Cinema in Elstonwick. And yeah, nice little like in the, the in a, the jazz room, I think it was called, or piano room. And it was like, yeah, where they have some like little sort of jazz or little intimate gigs, music. Is, and then typically on a Wednesday night, every Wednesday, there's a, there's a comedy gig run there by a guy, uh, Oscar. Yeah, is the guy's name. And I haven't performed at that gig before, but I, it's on my radar now. But, yeah, it was part of the Melbourne Fringe Festival, which is just wrapped up, I believe, but went for th- sort of two and a half weeks through October. Okay, so I, I do actually have that on a little note for myself. Is the Melbourne Fringe something that this year has been elevated in promotion or has it not happened in several years because of all the stuff that's happened? Because I can't remember seeing dedicated stuff from people, whether they're artists or comedians or visual artists or whatever, all the things that make up a fringe normally. I can't remember actually even hearing about a Melbourne fringe until this year. Well, I think typically it has been known for its, and I don't don't want to put my foot in anything here, but I think it's typically been known for its lack of marketing and publication of, of it, it as an event. Compared to the Melbourne Comedy Festival or Adelaide Fringe, and Adelaide Fringe uh, is Adelaide's like uh, preeminent. Is that the word, Josh? Preeminent, um, yes. Preeminent, preeminent, <laughs> preeminent uh, festival. As they don't have like an Adelaide necessarily have an Adelaide Comedy Festival, but they have the three or I think even four four week, yeah, maybe even five week five week Fringe Festival sort of through late Jan to all of February. So, yeah, I think Melbourne Fringe it did get a bit of a shot in the arm this year, and I was seeing more and more of it. I, I'm with you. So, yeah, it would definitely, it's definitely something on my radar for next year because I think it's a great opportunity to like a lot of comedians were doing sort of work in progress shows, sort okay. of getting there, building their new shows for the fest, the comedy festival next year. So, I think that could be a, a cool little platform for me to use it for that next year as well. Excellent. And where are you going? Is there anything on the immediate radar that you... Well, mate, the immediate radar for me is I'm about to have a baby. <laughs> so it's for, it's fucking nuts. I don't know if we've decided we're swearing on this podcast. Oh, yeah. but It's happening now. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's crazy. So yeah, about two weeks from, from the day of this record where uh, Kira, my, my fiance and I, were about to have the, the first little baby, which if you had asked me, I said to a few people recently, if you had asked me three years ago that I would be... When I was living in Albury with my parents, if in three years, three and a half years, you'll be living in the outer southeast suburbs of Melbourne and about to have a baby, and you, oh, by the way, you're also engaged, I would have been like, what What drugs are you taking there, mate, and can I have some? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, th- so two weeks, have a, have a baby, and then yeah. after, I'll probably have a couple of weeks, of, sort of maybe November, three weeks off of November for when the baby comes and have a 
sort of maybe have a little rest from the gigs. But yeah, I've already got a few in the canon for late November, December, which is which is awesome. So I, I will I will give this little little nugget. And um, I did have a meeting with a with a guy to help potentially help me direct my Melbourne Comedy Festival show next year. Oh wow! Um, I saw I saw a post from. From there, uh, Marcel is the guy's name. Uh, he's a really, he's a good, great comedian and just really nice fellow. I met him at a gig in Cairns uh, earlier this year, and he put out a post that he he um, directs, help people direct and build their show. And if you're, he said, oh, if you're interested, hit me up. So I hit him up, and and hopefully we can build a. Um, we had a great first meeting, and it was just amazing. We we do it, you and I do it, Josh. We bounce ideas and talk comedy and and. We all I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things to bounce ideas off each other and collaborate. Uh, and yeah, straight away in this hour conversation, he was like, "Oh, what do you think your show will be?" And and I had you know these ideas, and and it was already building. So not that there's the materials there from from zero from minute zero to minute sixty or fifty, but the ideas are there. And then even in that hour conversations, I was telling little quips and little stories. He's like, "Oh, that's a bit for the show. That's a bit. That story can go in the show." And straight away, I got to the end of the hour with him, and I felt amazing about this potential show that doesn't really exist yet, but is <laughs> something there. So it was just cool to cool to have that. It's really fascinating how some of these shows have people that are directing, and I think in the future maybe you'll probably have more idea what that means. But it's not the first time I've heard that they're not so yeah. much contributing material and stories as helping people shape the movements of the show and what you should go to from one thing to the next so it becomes a show. Yes, exactly. Not just a collection of random things. That, then that's the conversation we had today. It was a big part of it was like, yeah, you can just you can just have like when um, comedians in your – you might have heard this already, but I've heard it a little bit, is when people go, oh, my show doesn't have a theme or there's no story arc. It's just an hour. It's an hour or it's 50 minutes of funny jokes. It's just trying to be funny. It's like, yeah, but even that has a, has a con, like there is a, there is a concept or a, or a theme to it. Like I would say my show last year, I wouldn't have put my, hung my hat on it and said it had a theme. But if you you go back and if, if, if you saw this, you saw the show, Josh, but, and if I go back and listen to it, you would, you would realize that, there is the constants of I moved to Melbourne and now I live with my partner and and this is where my life's at. Like my life has changed in the last year, in the last six months from when I did that show. Yeah. And and this is what's happening. So that's the that's the theme. So that's what Marcel and he really showed me that, you know, that yeah, and also that that the show is in comedy is different from a from say doing a club set or doing like a club show to having a show that's ready and, and good to go for the comedy festival or the like that's more of a show. More of a show. Because um, yeah. sometimes, yeah, doing a doing a comedy club set is is just is just that. It's it's late at night, it's in a pub and it's just stand there or just get on stage and smash the the drunk audience for half an hour with with jokes um <laughs> and and you know that's what's needed a bit for that but when it's your festival show and you're building something and you're doing it between you know between 10 and 28 times yes like it becomes a thing yeah that isn't just jokes 
you also want to not take a week for it to become that smoother experience. You want to kind of start off with it pretty close to that, I guess. If you yeah, really, if you want to, a- particularly if you're doing a shorter run, if you're only doing seven or ten days or whatever the shorter version is, you don't have yeah. seven or eight shows to get it right. To get it warmed up, and that's yeah. like straight away talking to Marcel and the idea of having a director was was that that he like even if I didn't and he didn't necessarily mean either that I had to do like seven trial shows mm. before I did my first one. But he's like, yeah, you knock. Like, we had already have talking like, you know, you knock out one or two trials to just get an idea of what the hour looks like or fear the fifty minutes looks like. But yeah, this idea that yeah, when you even if you're doing a full run of the festival, you don't want to. Yeah, like you said you can't. You can't either can't afford, but you also don't want from the audience point of view to have yeah a week of oh, is this something like? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or there's the classic. Oh, there's no real punchline for that one. Sorry. Yeah. yeah that joke. You can't fit. do that, that. that. That bit's finished. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you can do that once per set, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're doing that on your fifth festival show, the comedy goes, oh, there's no punchline to that one, mate. When is it coming? Because yeah. we're, we're a week into the festival yeah. and it's who's Flash Champ? It's the comedy <laughs> festival. And comedy, you need some punchlines. You need a couple <laughs> in there. So, talking um, of punchlines. And you said before, if someone had have told you the amount of life and overhaul that was going to happen in such a short amount of time for you, you would have told them that it was impossible, yet it's happening. And yes. it got me thinking about the speech that you gave at your engagement party recently. Yeah. And I've seen you crush multiple times. So for you, it's just one of many crushes I've seen you have. But you, you. you yeah. crushed at a level that I don't think I've ever seen you crush in a comedy set to your parents talking about being afraid of how your life was changing so quickly and your whole family and they were dying and you were just yeah. absolutely bashing jokes out. <laughs> <laughs> so was that what – did you know that you were just going to roll out a couple of bits of gear and then get on a roll and just actually almost do a set as your speech? Well, yeah, I, I I will be honest. I didn't didn't expect that. I think I did. I think well, yeah. You were, if you remember, I did sort of break that that fourth wall a bit. And my cousin CJ was in the front. Yeah, and I I actually said to him, I said out loud to him at one point, I'm doing gear. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> like I'm doing it. It's now a set. Yeah. And there was, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, Josh, but sometimes for me. If, if I've if I've got a microphone in my hand, I I have to make I have to crack a joke, and if that becomes a set or there's a there's a moment, and there there definitely was a moment in my head during that isolated speech where I went, oh this is a crowd like there's sixty people here yeah like oh, this, this is way is, better than I, an open mic <laughs> yeah and I mean I obviously knew I knew in my head I guess that that I, I was going to be doing a speech whether I. Pre- had one written down, mm. and I knew my my dad. Uh, dad, he 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 loves it. So he, I knew straight away. Like I've become that the speech the speech person at the family events. So whether that's like mum's fiftieth a few years ago, like dad was like, "You're doing it," and so I knew. I was like, so I, I did have a couple of lines that were in the gun, ready to go. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. 
I've said to Ollie multiple times this year, and even though I've been doing comedy on and off for about four years, I've made the most progression probably from February till now, more so than I had that entire time before that. Mm-hmm. But in February, I was lucky enough to get asked by my family to do my nan's 100th birthday speech. Yes. And yeah. I've still been chasing that level of crushing. It's actually the yeah. only gig where I'll say that I killed. Yeah. There wasn't yeah. any before and- that that I would say I killed at that level and I because I, I've been more aware of it. I don't think I've done that well since. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> mate, to be honest, that is the best place to do well yes. because sometimes when you announce to your family or your siblings and – and for you, as you mentioned, you're a bit older than me. So you started purely at an I you were an older age than me. Like I was 20 year old, second year uni student. Oh, I started comedy. Yeah. At, yeah. So at 20 years old, there's no real stakes when you start anything. No. But when you hit your family as a 36 year old with, I'm doing stand up now, they might. So when you go and kill in front of them in a family setting, not even in the, they don't even come to the comedy. They, you went to them. With a and so to, to blow them out of the water like that is, that's where you they you get off and they're like, oh yeah, that, that's great. Like you know, there might I don't know, there might have been a few pin drops with like, oh yeah, he said he does stand up and that makes sense. Yeah. Like that was happening yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and I love that when they I've had that happen a few times at different <laughs> different stuff where people are like, oh yeah, it makes it. I guess it makes sense that you you're doing that now. One of my cousins. Like, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> One of my cousins. In our generation, my little brother and I are the two youngest, and then there's my oldest cousin, Andrew, and he is a pretty successful person in the arts, I guess. Like, he wrote the movie The Water Diviner, and he- Really? Yeah. That was what my my grandfather used to do for a job. He was partly a water diviner. I mean, that's not what he called it. He was like a plumber, and he dug trenches and holes and wells for people, but- And him and his wife, Megan, Andrew and Megan, wrote the book, The Water Diviner, together. So he gave me a compliment afterwards and said, you had some real good jokes in there, like really good jokes. (laughs) So I could tell that that you've you've done work on that speech. Yeah. And it's not so much I'd done work. I just – I treated that like the most important gig I was ever going to do. Awesome. Yeah. And they're jokes that they're jokes that really may if they were a ten that day, I'm not saying I killed it a ten. Let's say I was an eight, nine ish. They're the sorts of jokes I could retell to someone and they might be a one or a two. Yes, that that's the beautiful thing about context, isn't it? Yeah. So the the context, there was so much context and and your family and your nan, like it was just it was the perfect storm for these jokes to kill because they they were designed for for that i, th- I uh, think for the only time in my life though ollie i was probably mentally ready to pick up on what was happening in the lead up to my speech like yeah. when i got there although this, this didn't make the speech but i have said this on stage since people were asking my nan are you going to stand up and get a picture with the the letter from prince or king charles and she said no word of a lie to one of these ladies who wanted her to stand up. I'm not standing up for that guy, <laughs> which yeah. I thought, I thought that's good. I didn't end up using that. And then another, <laughs> my my grandmother has an insane memory, but can also talk underwater. And a lady walked up to her and said, "Oh, Irma, 
how you're going. I'm sure you're you're all talked out. And I thought, oh, that's how I'm going to start. And I just walked on, walked up in front of them and said, look, I don't know who that lady was that said to Nan, she's probably all talked out. You clearly are at the wrong party because you don't even know her. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, yeah. and everyone knows she could talk. So that was like, oh, yeah, this is going to go all right. <laughs> but I was fucking nervous. And you, yeah. Like you probably weren't at the engagement because I guess it's kind of a maybe a slightly different kind of context. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, gosh, they put the pressure on me to celebrate this lady's 100th birthday. Yeah. And there's like and five, never- five generations of people here. Yeah. <laughs> so I was dying of nerves. <laughs> but it, and pulled it off. I think that's yeah. the mate. Like, yeah. And then it. six months later, I was doing a gig in a local pub on a on an, at an open mic and wanted to, yeah, yeah. Wanted and wondering, to dive off the stage. <laughs> and wonder, wondering why. Wondering why, yes. <laughs> yeah, what am I doing here? Yes. <laughs> Who I really met. What hole in my life has not been filled yeah. that I need to be here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, so, was, that was one thing that never happened in music. I played guitar for a long time. If a gig wasn't going well, you could just almost go inside yourself and just be like, I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to become a guitar player in a little shell. There's nowhere to go when you're doing stand-up. Like no, you, you can't no, just go no, back no, inside yourself and start whittling away or get really self, yeah. you know, self-absorbed because yeah. that's you're, just going to make it worse. You're the only thing on that stage when you're doing stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just sort of take one step to the left and you're half, you're half behind the bass player. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. you're it. Yeah, you're it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we don't want to go too comedy nerd. We actually promised each other we wouldn't do that. So I've got a question I want to end today with, but we had an idea and we'd love for people that are hearing this to maybe send in some suggestions. We want to talk about golden errors. And the reason why golden errors is relevant to Ollie and I was I think the first thing we ever got along about on a road trip over to Wagga was you found out I was a tennis head and I found out that you were more so maybe than anything at the time a massive Federer fan and we started talking about the golden era of tennis. Like we've, yeah. we've gotten to live through the greatest era, well, particularly in the men's game of all time. And we thought, oh, that's probably something. There's lots of golden eras. Like the Aussie cricket team had a golden era. These are all the things we're hoping to explore in the future. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to ask you, when it comes to golden errors, I want you to give me your golden error of eating palmies. When in your life were you maybe smashing the most quality palmies and where were you based at the time? I was based I was based in Albury. So yeah. I was just when I was still living in Albury. And then this is um so I I have eaten my way around Albury Donga when it comes to palmies. <laughs> I could give you a full rundown on each establishment. <laughs> There's a, sort of four or five key establishments in Albury yes. where I've eaten a palmy. <laughs> and so, yeah, there was probably, the, there was a good era when I finished uni. So when I come back and was living in living in Albury with my parents. So, yeah, good sort of five years. So, yeah, 20, 2017 to, 20, well, to 2021, basically, four years. Yeah, so my favourite palmy on its day is the New Market in Albury. Oh. So on its day... It is the best. It's the best one. Cause what I love about the new market too is when they're at their best, they don't mess around with salad, Josh. 
You know what I mean? Like, you can add salad, you can add veggies if you have to, but it's it's a choice. It's a decision you have to make on top of the, the palmy. Yeah. They, they, they know who they are. Yes. Like, they're <laughs> not trying to fool anyone. <laughs> There's nothing that screams an amazing establishment more than palmy awareness. Yeah. If, if they're putting it out there that you can have salad, but we're going to jam that under the piece of chicken. Yeah. That's going in that slot that's at the side of the plate and jammed straight under some fucking tomato sauce. Here's the thing that I love about the the new market or the newie is they don't even do that. They they are that the salad is so much of an afterthought or just an unnecessity. Unne- I don't know if that's a word. I've just made it up. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll roll with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They put it in a bowl separately. Yeah. And they go Here's your salad. And they don't, they don't try to make it a thing that it isn't. They throw lettuce, a dodgy chopped bit of tomato, and some weird, yeah. like, shaved carrot. Well, not even grated. It's, like, shaved. Yeah. I, I don't know how to show it, but it's not grated. It's not whole. <laughs> it's like this weird shaved sort of scenario. Yeah. Like, you know, when you when you just get, like, a when people got those dodgy, like, their feet with their skins all over the shop. And yeah, it's it's grip. Uh, I know you don't you don't like bodily function talk, Josh. I found this out a little while. That ago. really just caught me off guard. I'm sorry. So and that and yeah, it's like an extra two bucks for like this bowl of like lettuce, tomato, and carrot with a little some dodgy dressing on the side. And then when they when their palmies really going, I'm about it. And but yeah, on its day, to my in my opinion, one in the greater Aubrey area, it is the best one I've had. Um, but yeah, I think on its day, the best, the best part palmy is the Newmarket Norbury. And if you're really up for it, you throw um, you get uh, the cheesy garlic bread as a starter. And if it's cooking, you're in for a real <laughs> ignite because it's the cheese and carbs, and it's just you know, as I said, that's that's they don't have a half either. So they're like, we're not as much as I love the half as I said off the top at the Imperial in, in the city. They don't. They don't have halves, so they're like, either eat it or don't. But where this is what we're dealing with. The thing speak uh, is traditionally yeah. so big that even if they had a half, it's still as big as a normal yeah. pub barbie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the size like it's the size of your plate, and the plate is mad. People go, oh, it's the size of your plate. So the new market they've embodied that, but they've also got massive plates. Yeah, <laughs> one thing <laughs> that, and I have had a palmy there, and it was quite good. The people that I was with that did get a side salad, it was very much, here's your salad, child. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, whenever the, yeah. there was so much spite behind that shredded carrot. <laughs> yeah. Was like, here you go, you wuss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that yes, was, and now- I always love food that comes with a little bit of attitude. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, you're really piked on being a man there, didn't you, mate? Like if you yeah, get the yeah. like if you get the most mild curry, and they're looking yeah. at you like, oh god. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you if you don't like spicy food, why are you eating Indian? Yes, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My my golden era palmy. Well, there's two. I had one in Sydney that was so mind boggling. I can't remember the name of the place, but I remember where it was. <laughs> yeah, I could if it's still there. If the pub's still there, I could. I'm pretty sure I could get you there, but I don't remember the name of it. So that one will just have to live in my mind as like a, you know, a phantom palmy. But 
they used to make an exquisite one at the Star Hotel, once again in Albury. This is yep. probably early, mid-2000s when they used to have massive Sunday sessions there. And it wasn't anywhere like near the volume of some of these mass palmies you get now. It was just yep. the source quality. Yeah. Like Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine would talk about and write in his newsletter about the source quality. It was that great. The cheese tasted like actual cheese, you know, from yep. the dairy department, not scraped off off the floor. It was, yep. yeah, it was magnificent. And the chicken was always, you felt like you were getting like decent quality chicken, not just the leftover crap. I've had, I've had a star palmy and it's been, yeah, it'd be, it'd be touch and go. I think when they're both at their best for me, the Nui and the star, but I think the star is a different experience. I think the star, yeah, it's smaller in size, but they've got a depth to their palmy that the Nui doesn't. Um, <laughs> like they have a like a physical thickness and depth. Yes, that it's a different thing, and they're both great. Like, um, I would but, say that the Nui is more you, you're Rafa Nadal, brute force, yeah. get this in your face, <laughs> yeah. and the star on its day is maybe a Roger or a Novak, but it's more often than yeah. not an Andy Murray. Yeah. It's just a little yeah. bit outside of that category. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great call, Josh, because Rafa it's con- Rafa's consistency. It is. He's all he's all guts and all just grit. <laughs> but his level, while it may be a touch below the Rogers and the Novaks in class and style, it he hasn't I mean He's broken. His body's finally broken in, like, say, the last 12 months. You're a bit more tapped into the tennis world than I am. But for a good 15 years there, you just, he just didn't miss. No. And, and I think pound for pound, the, 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 the Nui, it just has a, has a consistency. Yeah. I think the star, it, Roger Novak comparison, it, it can go to a level that on its day that you go, oh, it's, it's right up, you know. But then, yeah, I think you're right. When it when it does drop, it drops to the level of an angry, slightly bitter Scotsman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, talking about angry and bitter, I wanted to ask you a question to finish up today. Episode one of the Half Palmy. Yeah. Thank you for listening, guys. So far, book, we're, get, we're, we're getting through this. We're crushing it. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to ask you this question. And I put this on Facebook today, but I wanted to ask you specifically. Has anyone ever said something so offensive to your ears that they thought was cool that you wanted to punch yourself in the face to the point where your ears stopped working? Yes, I, I do. I do have mem- I have ideas that I've had this feeling, um, whether in the moment I'll come up with an um, example. So the reason I say that, is I went to buy a coffee when I was on my walk and the person that served me the coffee said the word slay. And that's a word I hear too often from too many people now. Now, I grew up as a massive Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. So to me, the word slay is for one thing, anything Buffy related. But if you say slay because you flick some fucking chocolate on top of a cappuccino and didn't get it on the bench... I'm not okay with that. That was the context of the, the it use was of the a, word. It was a flick and it all got on top of the drink 
she put the lid on and then said the word slay like to herself. <laughs> nah, no, nah, I'm not about that. Yeah, I think cool or awesome is suffice. Yeah, in or, that. Context. Or maybe maybe thank you since I was the one paying for the coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or maybe like, oh, here's your coffee. Also, did you just see that? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, make it a game, not self-referential. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah. What I mean, I've definitely had moments, and I'll 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 get back to you on on that because I've had definitely had moments of just like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. But good, is it good coffee? Is it is it is it a coffee that? That can can that can counteract or cancel out the the fact that the person who made it used the word slay. Look, some coffees you get because you make an intentional mission amongst many options to choose that one place. Whereas yeah. this was a coffee where it was really the only thing available on my route. So I felt like so it's a, I felt a like I'd been kind coffee. of penned in a little bit already for options, and then I got the sleigh. You got the sleigh, and you were already choosing this coffee out of logistical convenience. Correct. So it already ha- has lost a bit of bit of its ability. Yeah. It's it's kind of battened from behind a little bit already, and then you throw in the sleigh. Yeah. Which is just inappropriate. Um, <laughs> people talk about slurs in in twenty twenty three. That needs to be considered one. Um, I wouldn't have said that this morning until it happened, <laughs> but now I one hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if if there's a logistics issue, don't be throwing in a linguistics issue. Like though, that's simple. Yeah, I didn't. Wa- <laughs> I didn't walk up there just fucking radiating joy like a Care Bear when I ordered the coffee. <laughs> I was in my shell. <laughs> yeah. On that note, um, that might be a window for everyone into this podcast. Just a, it will pop up every now and then. Just a bit of just aggro at the world kind of uh, uh, just. Uh. <laughs> Do you think that people so, know that? Well, I know that I'm very capable of that, and I think that Ollie is as well. But I found out recently, Ollie, that I don't hide my emotions as well as I thought I did. I thought I was. Okay. I thought I was impossible to read, like deadpan, like poker face but style. Like, just- yeah, like poker, poker face in all situations. And I've been told multiple times recently that no, Josh, you have no poker face. Yeah, no, I, I can relate to that. Yeah, I have. I am fortunate enough, unlike the barista this morning, I've never been around you where I've felt that you're like being. Uh, you know, it would never been in a hostile environment together where you're like exuding disdain for the environment around you. I feel like I can say that about me to you. Like I feel like we've been whenever we're together, like like good shits yes. going on. So we're like up and about. But I do have moments where I, I've even like consciously uh, uh, to bring up com- like comedy and stand up again. I've been at many a bad gig. And watched bad comedy, and I could feel my face, not like I could feel that I wasn't hiding well, that I'm not enjoying myself. <laughs> to the to the point where I've had mates come up in at these times, God, I oh, mate, you didn't like that guy at all, like that last ex guy or whoever, whoever it was. And I was like, oh, dude, was it was it that was it that obvious? And I had a mate tell me once, they said, yeah, it was. 
I could see your face from across the room and the lines it was making. And by the way, we're in the dark. <laughs> so, uh, so you're really radiating. Yeah, I, yeah. It's a foot. I think when I when I witness something like whether it's bad comedy or I, I it's a whole body thing. Mm. So and not it's not just dedicated to bad bad comedy, but I definitely have moments where I'm like I'm reacting neg- negatively to this, and I can feel it's a whole my whole body is <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> For me, the first time I remember being told that I wasn't enjoying something when I was was my first girlfriend ever told me that we weren't I wasn't enjoying watching Lincoln Park play when they're on their hybrid theory tour and I think I've never really listened to people from that point on when they say oh you look like you're in a bad mood because to me it always sounds like no you're just trying to make me enjoy a thing the way you enjoy a thing yes can't I enjoy the thing how I want yes yeah. And so maybe people have been telling me my whole life that I need to cheer up or that I yeah. you know I look angry but I've just been blocking it out. Yeah, you need to get on like my extroverted level of enjoyment where in actual fact I'm just my personality type is not that. Yes. Um like Josh you you strike me uh, I have another friend like this who I was a schoolmate with uh Lockwood is his name he's his best man at his wedding but we would go out um and tell me for like you relate to this when you were younger we would go out as like you know, in our early twenties, late teens, to the in Albury, to the to one of the two bars that we could go out at, and he was a, he was a real sort of hang back, sort of lean on stand on the wall kind of guy, just have his drink and like hang out. Whereas I, not that I'm quite, a, I can get upbeat and extroverted, and when especially a few drinks, I can be in amongst it all. And I was the, I was that person. I would be like, "Are you having a good time? Are you sure you're right? Like, what's going on? Are you okay?" And he would go, "Yeah, I'm having a great time." Yeah, but. He was just someone that was like, you know, a bit introverted, a bit like, ah, this is my great time. Yes. I don't need to be in the middle of that sweat box of a dance floor <laughs> to be having a good time. Whereas when I was 19 to 23, that's where I had to be to be enjoying yes. that experience. That's exactly how I felt in that moment. I was like, I can enjoy this without screaming every lyric out of tune into people's ears like you're doing right now. Yes, I'm right there with you. I went to Harry Styles last year in New York and that was the first five songs. I couldn't hear him because his crowd and the awesome, they were amazing, but they were singing word for word and beat for beat every lyric. And I'm like, I can't hear the guy I'm here that I've paid to watch. Can we, can we just all power down a little bit? And, <laughs> can we just shut the fuck up, please? <laughs> I paid a lot of money to watch this man dance around and wearing glitter. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I could have done that. There's listen- a lot of places you could have done that for cheaper in New York. So. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just listen to this guy that that has the talent? Yeah. And not every 14 year old in in their you know onesie. <laughs> so talking of having the talent, and that's a great place to to finish up. <laughs> 14 year olds in onesies. <laughs> Talking about talent, I think. Is that the title of the first episode? If we want there to only be one episode, yes, probably. (laughs) Right, Oli. So that rounds out the first episode of the Half Palmy. How are you feeling? You happy? You stoked? And I'm, I'm feeling good. As I said off the top, we're 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 already in the two percent of the the podcast stats. 
So if we get this out, the first step, we, we've, we've nailed it. There's more to come. And um, the show, I I think, as you're in the podcast world from a production sense, it will develop, it will get better, and we'll, be, we'll, have, we'll have a direction. I love direction, creative direction. So jump on board early, and then you can say that you're a foundational half-palmy listener and fan. So get on board. Get on board. Perfect way to finish up. See you, mate.